You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today, we're going to be visiting with Bob Vogel, and Bob is a journalist, photographer, and he's the senior correspondent for New Mobility Magazine. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Bob Vogel to the show. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Buster. You're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition. I guarantee it. Petco. Where healthy pets go. Enter the code WORK10, W-O-R-K, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan Blake here with my sidekick, Super Smiley. The giant mutt and spokes dog for throwaways. You're listening to Pet Life Radio, and I'd like to tell you about our brand new show, A Super Smiley Adventure. Our show explores adventures with animals. They can be traveling, out in the world trips, or inner journeys where our animals lead us to inspiration and self-discovery, or just plain fun adventures. Join us here on Pet Life Radio on A Super Smiley Adventure. Good boy. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Hello, Bob, and welcome to Working Like Dogs. Hey, Marcy. Thanks. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, we're so glad you could be with us, and please introduce our listeners to your assistance dog, Shotzi. Okay, this this is Shotzi, and um, she is uh, trained in German, although she's not trained to bark on command. So <laughs> you'll just have to imagine a beautiful, sable German shepherd with a kind of a graying muzzle. Oh, <laughs> well, she sounds beautiful. Where did you get Shotzi? She's actually my second shepherd. My first one I trained myself, and uh, after I lost him, I, I just didn't have the two years to go through it. So I looked all over the place for shepherd trainers, finally found a retired policeman that um, he was a canine cop for 16 years, got so good at 
dog training that he opened up his own training facility. Condensed version is, I said, I need a dog that's at least two or three years old. I know all the rules and regulations. Here's the commands and the temperament I need. Can you find me something? And it turned out one of the dogs he had sold to a family was such a strong working dog that it didn't fit in with the family. Uh, It needed constant attention. So it all worked out. He trained her, and she's been been with me since 2005, and she's just phenomenal. Wow. Well, what made you decide, Bob, to get an assistance dog? Two things. I'm I'm a dog person. First of all, I, I you know I gotta say it is a neat thing with the ADA rules having the opportunity to have a service dog. But but even more than that, I've been in a wheelchair. I'm a paraplegic for 26 years, and my shoulders uh, had started to uh, pull forward and started to really get achy from all the repetitive wheelchair um, pushing. And so, I thought, wow, and a service dog's going to, they can tow you. Well, that's going to be great. So when I got my first service dog, it was amazing. I'd say within the first month or two, having uh, the dog help tow me, it was like I'd had my shoulders completely rebuilt. They relaxed, they didn't hurt, and and it's been an amazing, it's almost like having a power chair. It's phenomenal. (laughs) But a much cuter power chair. Yes, a power chair that that everybody wants to, yeah, power chairs, people get a little, you know, sometimes it's a little intimidating. A service dog, everybody wants to come and say hello and ask you about your dog. Yeah, and being in a manual chair, it gives you so much more flexibility that I use a power chair. And I know sometimes there are places that I can't go because of that. So that's so great that you can maintain your use of your manual chair and have Shotzi to help you. I got to say, it's been phenomenal. It really has, I think, probably saved my shoulders, A. And um, the second thing is things like if I've got a big uh, stack of groceries in my lap or um, uh, when my daughter was younger, when she was in my lap, Shotzi would, she's trained to tow me and go in whatever direction I guide her and stuff. So uh, it, it enables me to, to do a lot more. And it's fun. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, I think it's so interesting that you trained your first dog yourself. So how was that process for you? Um, well, I was lucky that I um, I met through Friends of Friends a woman that trains people to train their service dog. Uh, she's, her name is uh, Sherry DeHauer. And um, I'll have to find her, uh, <laughs> her web because I want to give her a good plug. But... Um, She started out um, working, uh, I think she was a water skier at SeaWorld, but she learned a lot of her things on how to train killer whales. (laughs) She trained me to train Jaeger, my first service dog. And I'd I'd say at least the first six months of our training was um, more about me learning how to give commands properly and how to handle a dog than really working with Jaeger. I mean, there was having dogs all my life, I had no idea the proper way to give a dog command. Yeah, me too. That was a learning curve for me as well when I got my first dog, Ramona, because it's a whole different world when you start handling a dog and having a dog with you 24 hours a day. Yeah, it it is amazing. And it's funny, though, now when I see uh, really good dog trainers and like, wow, all dogs respond to them well, (laughs) I hope. I've learned to give those commands properly where I know I give the command a certain way and I, I look the dogs, you know, in the eye and all this kind of stuff and 
it seems like they respond a little better to me. Like with Shotzi, sometimes if she's a little slow on a command, I'll, I'll just give her a look. <laughs> and she knows, oh, he's serious. And it's funny. I mean, it's just the scowl, and she immediately. Yeah, pops I call to that it. the stink eye, and that's what I give whistle. And sometimes whistle gives me actually as well. <laughs> oh, she'll she'll uh, when she's really upset about something, she'll do the oh, <laughs> it's a little sad doggy groan. Oh, how can you resist that? Yeah, well, I'm pretty good at it. Only that. Um, <laughs> My again, um, Sherry DeHauer was amazing at at teaching me uh, consistency. That was one of the hardest things that I needed to learn. That uh, she said, dogs and kids. You know, it's uh, it's like, what did she say? Um, it's the same reason a person plays a slot machine. We'll we'll put, you know, we'll play 99 times if it'll hit out of 100. And a child or a dog will know that. If it keeps doing the same begging, and if you one out of a hundred times, you know, give them that treat, well, okay, I'll just keep doing it. <laughs> that is so true. Well, I think it's really interesting that you decided to train your dog and to work with Sherry for her to train you. You know, so many of our listeners they ask me about training their own dog and and versus going through an agency. What was your rationale in in doing that? It was interesting. I uh, I knew nothing about what it really took to be a service dog when I started out. And so when I talked with Sherry, the first thing she's... My rationale was I knew I didn't know enough to train the dog. And I already, like most people, I thought, I'll get a dog and then I'll train it, not realizing that that's generally setting you up for failure because, um, as you and I know, not a lot of dogs, no matter how well they're trained, have what it takes to be a service dog. So when I met Sherry, the first thing she said was, I'll be honest with you, my first thing I do is work with you and your dog for a couple days, and then I'm going to give you an assessment on will your dog be able to be trained for a service dog because it may be that this just doesn't have the right temperament. We went through that, and she said, you know, I, I think he's going to work. There's a few little things that, um, you know, he we're going to have to work on. So that's how it worked out, and it was so much more difficult than I ever had imagined. <laughs> it was a great experience, and I'm glad I did it, but it was really, really difficult. It takes so much consistency and time, which is are the two things, the consistency thing, it taught me a lot of discipline. Yeah, I know. It is such a commitment. That's what I try to share with people that it's a lifelong commitment. It's, you know, you're not being given a robot. It's a live being that you have to work with and motivate and be really in tune to what their needs are, to what's stressing them out. I mean, it is. It is a huge commitment and it is a lot of work that really continues. I know Whistle and I have to keep getting recertified after so many many months. And I really appreciate that because it really forces us to keep our skills really fine-tuned because it is really a a daily process for me, at least, in making sure that he stays in that top working condition. I appreciate that as well. Um, I I like the idea of of recertifying a service dog. And again, with with Jaeger, I got to say, it was a good, solid two years until I, I felt like he was up to par to actually bring him into an area, into an establishment that 
had a no dogs policy. There were so many of the places like, um, you know, Lowe's and the big stores that anybody can bring their dogs into. I mean, those are the places that we would generally train with. And then other stores, what I would say, he's in training, is it okay? But when it came to uh, like a grocery store or something, it, it took a good solid two years before he came, you know, even close to that. So it was, it can be a very long, slow, difficult process. And I also tell people, you know, and it may be at the end of that, that the dog never gets there. So that's uh, something that people need to realize too, that it is difficult. Yeah. Well, tell us, Bob, about your work with New Mobility. To me, it's an amazing job. Uh, what's the, uh, I think it's a Hemingway, uh, I can't remember whose line it is, but uh, write what you know about. It's not Hemingway, but whoever it is, <laughs> it's a great, uh, it's a great, it's a great, that write what you know about. And being in the, um, being in the wheelchair world, I love having adventures and I love hearing about amazing people. And so I get to a lot of my um, job entails meeting various people from so many facets of the wheelchair world and writing about their amazing lives and experiences. So I I do a lot of that kind of stuff, a lot of profiles, um, as well as I'm uh, now writing several uh, medical columns. One's called Para slash medic, like I'm a paraplegic. <laughs> it's advice for just, um, not advice, it's it's options for people that have different things like pain or whatever, which is interesting for somebody that barely made it through high school, um, who would have thought, you know, now I've got my college <laughs> degree, but who would have thought that uh, I'd be a journalist, but I just love it. And and the magazine, for people that don't know, is, is for anybody that uses a wheelchair for any reason, um, that then we do everything from uh, profiles to adventure and sports, and, and um, we just cover the whole gambit of life on wheels, working, love, relationships, medical stuff, everything. Yeah, I love New Mobility Magazine. I mean, you guys do such a good job of of really being honest about what it's like living with a disability. And I loved your article that you wrote on spasticity, that you wrote in about oh, the yeah that was really great because I've had a lot of issues with spasticity and I just thought it was so right on as to the information that you shared and and really helping people to navigate and find their ways through that so I have to have my issue of new mobility every month I look so forward to it to see what the latest information is in fact, if I can give us a, a little plug um, you can go to uh, www newmobility.com and um, a lot of our feature articles are always available to just pull up and then we hope you like them enough that you'll subscribe. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I like I said, it's one of those staples for me that I, I really look forward to every month because you guys cover so much, like you said, of all those topics that, that really impact individuals' everyday lives. I mean, I always get something out of every issue that I'm cutting out or making a photocopy of to share with other people because it's so helpful. Well, and uh, as, as our listeners will now know, you're one of the many amazing people I did get to meet through uh, New Mobility because I, um, in the August issue, wrote a feature article on service dogs. And uh, in fact, I got the article because I kept touching base with the editor and um, 
telling him certain things that were that were on my mind of I would like to do an article that explains to people the rules on service dogs and um, as you and I have discussed I see more than a few wheelers buying vests online and slapping them on the back of their pet as well as non-disabled people and then the, the pet will say maybe act aggressive or, or bark at my service dog or, or just be unruly in a restaurant, and it um, it makes me just crazy. Hold that thought, Bob, because we're going to take a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors, and we're going to come back, and I really want to talk about that article and talk about that issue of people and fake service dogs, because I know that's an issue that, that's really close to your and my heart. So we'll come right back after these quick messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash work, W-O-R-K, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed or email us at PetLifeRadio.com. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi, I'm Angelina. Join me for some great training tips to live a happy, healthy, peaceful life together with your best friend. And by the way, they're not the only ones that learn something new. Join me for Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Bob Vogel. And just before our break, he started talking with us about the August issue of New Mobility Magazine, where he did a cover story about service dogs. And so tell us a little bit more about that, Bob. Well, the article itself covered everything from how to get a service dog to all the amazing things service dogs do. It also went into detail of... A service dog, it's almost like being a Navy SEAL where not the, the washout rate is really, really high. And um, it takes so much, it takes the perfect dog with the perfect temperament. So very few dogs can actually become a service dog. And then in order to get there, you've got like $50,000 worth of training and all this stuff. And so when somebody that has 
an official service dog sees somebody that just has slapped a vest on their pet and the pet's barking, acting aggressively, uh, table surfing, meaning, you know, grabbing stuff off a table at a restaurant, it does two things. To me, it, it um, is pretty much a slap in the face of the ADA rules and it also makes my dog look bad it, uh, or anybody that's put all the time and effort into it. So that was one of the main reasons that I, I wrote that article is I wanted to get across to people what the rules are, A, and B, it's really not cool. We get really up in arms when somebody borrows their grandma's placard, a non-disabled person, and parks in a handicapped spot or just doesn't even pay attention and parks in a handicapped spot. Yet sometimes the same people think it's okay to, you know, well, I'm in a wheelchair, I'll just take my pet wherever I want to go. I know. Well, I've even had friends ask me if they could borrow my service dog's vest, which I've been like, are you kidding me? No, you can't borrow that vest. Vest is sacred. And like you said, we worked so hard to earn that. And people just don't realize that not only is it not cool and they should not be doing it, but they're jeopardizing our access rights and our need to have our dogs with us. That if dogs are in these public places and acting inappropriately and behaving really badly, that it does, it jeopardizes it for all of us. I I just heard of an incident. I go to Craig Hospital and they were just telling me this week that now they've started restricting some areas for where service assistance dogs can go. And I was so sad to hear that. And they said, oh, yeah, we had a bad experience. And they didn't elaborate on what that was, but that was my guess, that it was somebody who had a dog that really wasn't trained and certified and had no business being in that public area. Exactly. And that's the problem is a bad experience. And so let's say uh, what it sets up for, let's say um, I go and take Shotzi into a restaurant, and I'm sure you've seen this too, where a proper service dog is, is essentially invisible. They just sort of disappear. For, so I would, I'll be eating, and at the end of a, people will leave the restaurant and they'll look at, oh my goodness, there's a German Shepherd under <laughs> the table. I never knew. She's so quiet. She's so well behaved. And so it leaves the restaurant with a good feeling of, oh, this is a good thing. It just takes one person with a pet in a vest that uh, maybe growls at another customer or grabs food off the table to completely ruin that. And then the owner is now saying, the whole ADA is a sham. I don't like it. It's forcing me to do bad stuff. So it's, again, a service dog owner, handler, it comes with a lot of responsibility to keep our dogs well-groomed. And that's one of the things. It's not just this easy rubber stamp. Here's your dog. It does come, if you're not willing to put the time in to keep the somehow keep the dog groomed, pay a groomer, put the time in to keep the um, the training up, then it's probably not for you. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think that that's very well put. And, and, and it is such a responsibility. And it's hard for people if you haven't been in the assistance dog world and been exposed to assistance dogs. It's hard for people, I think, to really understand the level of that responsibility and the training and all of that that goes into giving us the public access right and giving us the right to take our dogs into these very public places. And I love that you say the dogs are supposed to disappear because that's exactly what I was told when I got my first dog, Ramona, that it was the old saying how they used to say children are to be seen and not heard. Well, that's what they told me about my service dog. 
you know, they can be seen but not heard, that they really need to be invisible when out in public. Exactly. And um, one of my my points is I, I think everybody with a disability should have the opportunity to have a service dog. I, I mean, they're wonderful, amazing. They really enhance your life. And there's so many organizations that uh, pause for a cause. Did I say that right? Pause with a cause? Oh, with a cause. I'm sorry. I get that. Pause with a cause, canine companions. There's so many wonderful organizations that will offer a dog at no cost to a person. So there's many ways to get it. However, again, it's, uh, it is a big responsibility and, um, and it isn't for everybody. So that's one of the things that's important. One of the things I wrote in my article is because so many people were abusing just taking their pet everywhere, a lot of it was um, sort of Hollywood. I'll blame it on some maybe <laughs> Hollywood actresses that were taking their little purse dogs. And like, oh, this is my emotional support dog. And so the Department of Justice um, had to crack down and change the rules. And uh, I think you may have written about it, but it's because of that that they had to crack down and change things. And if people continue to abuse the rules, I know several organizations I've spoken with are saying, well, the next thing may be mandatory licensing. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know. I I know a lot of people are are against that. I, quite frankly, in my opinion, (laughs) it would probably be a good idea. But that's a whole different can of worms. I know. I know. That is a big issue that is looming out there, though, that that I think is going to have to be addressed in the near future because of, of that, because of people um, misusing and misrepresenting their pets. and But I loved your article on how you did have the Department of Justice rules. I thought that was really helpful, um, how you listed those out in a really easy, bulleted way so so your readers could really, really get their arms around what those rules and expectations are. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think one of the other things that I really like in the article is um, this friend of mine, Paul, who's a quadriplegic. He's trained... I think he's uh, trained two service dogs now, and he's an amazing trainer. His dogs are phenomenal. I've never seen dogs trained so well, but he's one of those guys in my article. I'll say he will, uh, if he sees somebody with a questionable dog uh, that's acting out, he'll go right up to him and say, he'll call him out. And he says that generally they'll be, you know, <laughs> the people that are cheating the system most are the most indignant. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. well, this is my service dog. I'm in a wheelchair. And he says, yes, but you have a responsibility to bring your dog's behavior up to a certain standard. And, and until you do, you should not have this dog out in public establishments. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, tell us what was some of the feedback that you got from your article. I'd say uh, 95% of it was just positive. Well, a lot of people are glad just to know how and where to get service dogs, just the options. That was really good. And then so many people with service dogs wrote in to say thank you very much because unfortunately this is a problem. The pets in a vest that are acting unruly are, are, are making it difficult for people. So there was just absolute positive feedback. There, there was one or two folks that thought I was being too strict but uh, again, uh, you know, to me, that we need we need a base set of rules, and um, I think it was um, Sherry DeHauer's quote may have been yours that said uh, when when service dogs first sort of came into existence, the only 
other dog out there was a seeing eye dog. And she said a blind person wouldn't just take their pet dog out and have it lead them around the city. They'd be killed. So it was, right. never an, it was never an issue when it was first created. Nobody thought it that far ahead. And so she said that's one of the reasons now that, uh, and it would literally be like a completely blind person having their, you know, having Bowser lead him around. <laughs> well, that's it. And, and it is unsafe, you know, which is really the bottom line, that it's very unsafe for the, the individual with the disability and for people with other types of working dogs and for just individuals in general. Because I've seen some pretty bad situations. I was at a conference and with my second dog, Morgan, and there was a woman there with an untrained German Shepherd, and that German Shepherd attacked my assistant's dog in the middle of this conference when I was having to speak. <laughs> so it was not a fun situation. And the conference leaders would not ask her to leave because it was a disability conference and they felt awkward. And it was just, it was really a bad situation. That would have been one of those things where I may have ended up with foot and mouth disease. <laughs> One of the things that um, hopefully my article points out is that business owners do have the right, if a dog is barking, acting aggressively, grabbing stuff off of tables, they do have a right to tell a person, and this is a slippery, you know, it's a kind of a, you know, it's on the razor's edge here, but if the dog is acting out and creating a danger or a problem in the business, they can ask the person, you know, the person can stay, but the dog needs to leave. Right. Uh, and again, it's spelled out very clearly in the ADA what business owners' rights are. And right now, they're sort of scared of they can't say anything about, uh, you know, they, they think they can't say anything about a person with a service dog. So it's, it's a very difficult subject at this point. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, and I think you're right that we as a society are going to have to deal with it. It is going to be an issue where we're, we're going to have to come up with something as more people have more dogs out in public and it becomes more of a serious issue. Yeah. Well, I know our time is running so short and I, I just have enjoyed talking with you so much, Bob. And I know you have one story you want to share with us. Yeah, one of the it's just one of the wonderful things about service dogs is um, Shotzi will tow me, and uh, when my daughter was she's ten now, when she was littler, she would ride on my lap, and so Shotzi would tow me, and that was really fun for her. And she taught me Shotzi's command for speed up is squirrels, <laughs> <laughs> and then to run flat out, it's double squirrels, and. One of my favorite uh, things is when we were, when she was younger, she'd ride on my lap, and she would, we'd go on a long, smooth service, and she'd Shotzi squirrels, double squirrels, and Shotzi would get into a flat-out run, and I could feel her her bones and her muscles working as she's just running really fast, and Sarah would hold her arms out and say, "Daddy, I'm flying, I'm flying." It was just. It was just wonderful, and um, we hadn't done that in a while because she's getting older. She's 10 now, and so this summer we were coming back from the post office. She says, Dad, can I ride on your lap and have Shotzi tow me and tow us? And I said, yeah, and we had a lot of fun, and, of course, she's so big now I can barely see over her head, and, and um, it's one of those bittersweet moments where I was like, wow, you know, this is the last time that she'll be able to be on my lap and get towed. So, uh, yeah, it was one of those... 
it was sweet and wonderful that she's getting older and kind of sad that it's, you know, we won't be able to do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. What a magical moment, though, for all three of you. That's really beautiful. Thanks. Well, tell our listeners, Bob, because I know that you do a lot of online things. How can they communicate with you or read more about you and, and your work with New Mobility? The easiest way to get in touch with me, again, is to go to uh, newmobility.com. There's a place in there where you can search in back issues and stuff. If you type my name in, you'll see all kinds of different articles. And any of the articles that pull up, there's a place down below for comments. And, and those will go to me, and so you can, you can get in touch with me. I also write a couple different columns for new mobility. So, for instance, the paramedic column anything like that will will go directly to me so it's it's easy to get in touch you know you can have uh, positive comments or you know, I, I welcome negative comments too because a lot of times that's the way i learn yep absolutely well thank you so much for being with us today and i hope you'll come back and talk with us about other topics that you're working on because i know you're always doing really cool projects and i know our listeners would love to hear about them Thank you for having me, and keep up the great work, too. I love your show. Thanks. Thanks so much, Bob. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love you and love you joining us. And we also love getting your emails. So please don't hesitate to give us your thoughts. And, you know, you can email me at marcie, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can also follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook and Twitter. So thanks so much for being with us, and we look forward to being with you again soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.